Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Morning, and welcome back to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes. And please, for the next 30 minutes, will you please stay with me? 30 minutes of motivation, inspiration, some education, but no manipulation. No hidden agendas, no gimmicks, no games, nothing for you to join, nothing for you to purchase. All we really have to offer is accurate information, not human speculation, but accurate information. And that information hopefully will help you verify and identify God's plan for your life. If you can do that, you have the freedom to orient and adjust to the plan. But the plan revolves around the grace of God supplied for us, free. There it is. It's for us. And if you're listening today, if you'll hang with me today, we're going to continue a study that we began in the past. But I want to say a few words as before we go. If you ever need to contact me, feel free to do so. You can always write to me at P.O. Box 100 in the city of Cropwell, Alabama. That's P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama. Our zip code is 35054. Or you can contact us by means of the World Wide Web simply by going to RickHughesMinistries.org RickHughesMinistries.org We're not requesting money. We're just simply saying if you ever have a question or ever have a need of prayer, ever want to make a statement, get a hold of us. We hear from people all the time. I'm very thankful that uh, we're going to be able to continue our show in California. We almost lost that in Grass Valley, but we're going to be with you another six months. Just signed another contract, so... KNCO, glad to have you still aboard. We have a lot of things to talk about, a lot of things to cover. And so I hope you'll hang in there with me. I appreciate all the letters and the people that write and tell me how much they're learning from this radio show. Again, I remind you, I'm not a pastor. I'm just an evangelist. And my job is just to open the window and let you see what truth really is. Your job, if this, if this is meaning something to you, is for you to find out where you can get more of it. One 30-minute show a week is not going to let anybody grow up. And I am simply here to tell you there's more to it. There's more opportunities. There's a way for you to get the Word of God on a daily basis if you want it in the privacy of your own home. You can listen to DVDs or MP3s. There are pastors that I know that are solid, fundamental men that do not charge for any of their material. And you can tap into their resources and listen just like you listen to me in the privacy of your own home, or even in your automobile while you're traveling back and forth to work. But whatever it takes, the hungry person will get it. And I know some of you are hungry. I'm hearing from you, and you're hungry. And it's my prayer that you will you will follow this hunger, that you will want more, and that you will continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and your Savior, Jesus Christ. All right? Now, we started a study two shows ago. That was two Sundays ago. We started a study on your toe, T-O-E. Some of you acted a bit shocked when I said the doctrine of your toe, and I made a little joke out of it, saying I'm not referring to your foot as the sword of your spiritual life, as the seat of your spiritual life, but toe was simply an acronym, and it stands for your time on earth. Each of us are given a certain amount of time on earth. Only God knows the time and the manner and the place of our departure, but we all have time on earth. 
And during this study of the time on earth, we've been seeing what opportunities we have and what the Lord has laid before us. I hope you'll listen. I hope you pay attention. And I hope this will be very meaningful for you today. Because it's imperative that we know the scriptures. If we don't know the scriptures, then we get easily distracted, easily confused, and easily wind up under some sort of tradition, especially the tradition of religion that is not Christianity. Let me make that point real clear. Christians are religious, yes. But religion is not Christianity. Christianity is a relationship. It's Jesus Christ living inside of you. It is not you trying to approbate God by means of your own good works or your own good deeds. So your role in the plan of God is very critical. You were left here for a mission, and that mission is to serve the master's interest. You have a master called your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and he has equipped you, and you need to use that spiritual resource that he's given you, or you will fail the mission. You know, the Dark Ages, you've heard that term before, most often referred to the 5th to the 13th century, after the intellectual light of Rome had gone out and extinguished and the Dark Ages came, and it was characterized by a lack of literature and a lack of contemporary written history, limited building activity, and limited cultural achievements, as well as a very limited Christian influence. However... This may be a shock to you, but we are still in the Dark Ages, spiritually speaking. We are in the Dark Ages, spiritually speaking. Listen to the words of the Apostle John. In John 1, verses 3 through 9, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4, In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Verse 5. And the light of men shineth in darkness, and the darkness overcame it not. When Jesus Christ, our Savior, walked into this world, he walked into a world of spiritual darkness. Listen to his very words in John 8:12. Then spoke Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. And he that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And then again in John 9, 5, our Lord said this, As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Now think about that. Darkness and light are both absolutes. In a dark room, you cannot move around without stumping your toe. In a room that is lit, you can see where to walk and not hit your foot. I remember the illustration of a South Georgia farmer who was talking to a hired hand, a man that drove a tractor and harvested his corn for him. And he had gotten him a girlfriend, and she lived across the pasture. So every night when he got off work, he would strike out across the pasture to go visit his girlfriend at night carrying a light with him. And uh, when the farmer asked him, about why he always took a light with him, he said, well, uh, to be careful, to be safe. And the farmer said, well, when I was courting, I never took a light with me. And the hired hand said, yep, and look what it got you. Light. Without light, 
we can make some terrible mistakes because light is an illuminating force. The word in the Bible transferred light is phos, P-H-O-S, phos. And the word for darkness in the Bible in the Greek New Testament, of course we bring the words into English, but in the Greek is skotia. And it's a metaphorical use of ignorance, ignorance of divine things. People that walk in darkness do not have truth. People that walk in darkness cannot see themselves as they really are. People that walk in darkness walk in circles and they're lost because they cannot see how to get out. And the Bible simply makes it clear in John 3.19 where it says that men love darkness rather than light. That means that men love to live in a lie rather than to live in truth. You know, our Lord Jesus Christ reflected the light of God's glory and he even enlightened us by means of that truth, the truth that he spoke. So when we believe in Christ, when we accept Christ as our Savior, then we move from blindness of soul, lack of truth, to seeing our condition and seeing what our choices are. It's an amazing thing to be illuminated by the truth of God's word. Before we were blind, before we never saw it. And then when we meet Jesus Christ, the light switch comes on. Listen to 2 Corinthians as Paul wrote this. Chapter 4, verse 6 in 2 Corinthians. For it is God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts, and to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ the light of knowledge, so that we can see ourselves as we really are, so that we can see the truth. You know, a person that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior sometimes doesn't know he's lost. He can't see himself as a lost person. And when we give him scripture, it's like turning a light on, and now he can see his lost condition. That doesn't mean he'll do something about it but it means he can see his lost condition. One of the greatest types of blindness is arrogance. Arrogance is always the opposite of grace, and arrogance is always total blindness. Many people destroy themselves because of their own arrogance, and uh, it is one of the greatest blindness problems in life, I assure you. You know, in the day of Paul, when Paul the apostle was here, He spoke of how the Judaizers were blinded to the truth. In 2 Corinthians 3, 14 and 16, he said, But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is removed in Christ. When one turns to Christ, verse 16, the veil is removed. It's a terrible thing to have a burden with no answers. And a wonderful thing in Christ to finally see and realize what's going on. You know, when a Christian gets into carnality, when you and I, when we sin and get into wallowing in our sin and we don't deal with our sin and don't use rebound, problem-solving device number one, then we lose our light. Psalm 38.10, my heart pounds and my strength has failed me and the light has gone out of my eyes. The believer out of fellowship 
is no light to the lost world. As a matter of fact, he's walking in darkness himself. And when Paul wrote about these Judaizers being blinded, it's because they were trying to live by the law of Moses and the Old Testament scriptures. And there is not salvation in that. The salvation is in Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul said in verse 16, when one turns to Christ, the veil is removed. In other words, he can see what he really is. So the principle is this. The words that our Lord spoke were a descriptive analogy of his life and his ministry in the devil's world. The unbeliever, the disadvantaged one, walks in darkness because he doesn't have truth. And the light of God's word is repulsive to him. You know why? Because it exposes his folly. He doesn't want to be seen for what he really is. John 3.20, for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. People that live in darkness do not want the light on. They may say, don't turn the light on, because they don't want people to see what they are. Sometimes they don't want to see what they are themselves. Light covers up their sin and their cruelty and their arrogance. When the Holy Spirit turns on the light, it happens when a person hears the gospel information. When he hears the truth, then the Holy Spirit throws the light switch. In John 16, 8, the Bible says, when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The light comes on and people see their sin. Sin because they're born into sin. You do not go to hell because you commit a sin. You go to hell because you don't believe in Jesus Christ. The Bible is clear. He that believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And he that believeth not, the wrath of God abides on him already. So we're related to Adam. The Bible says, for by one man sin comes into the world and death by sin. And now death has passed on all for all have sinned. And the wages of sin is death. So in Adam, all die. And when the Holy Spirit turns on the light, then this person, whoever it is, he begins to see his sin. He begins to see the perfect righteousness of God. Do you remember what the Bible says? He that knew no sin was made sin for us so that we could be made the righteousness of God through him. God's perfect righteousness cannot be achieved any other way other than through Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says there are none that are righteous. No, not even one, because all of our righteousnesses are like a filthy rag in God's eyes. And the Holy Spirit turns on the light in regards to judgment. Where the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. So Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, the anointed Son of God, said this. I am the light of the world. And he who follows me shall no longer walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You see, man has to realize he's lost before he can be saved. And that's where you come in. You are the light that enlightens him. 
How can a man living in darkness see to find his way out unless you shine a light for him? If a person was in the woods and and they were lost and they had no light and you were searching for them and you heard them and, and you went to them at night, you would have a light and you would take the light and lead them out of the darkness. That's exactly what you do when you give someone the truth of the word of God. You shine a light. You give them the gospel information. Listen to me, wherever you are, you are the light of the world. You are representing Jesus Christ. This is your mission. Shine the light. Let it shine anywhere, anytime, any day. You must stand ready to shine the light and lead the lost man to Christ because you're the one that has it. You are the one with the light. It's amazing, but sometimes just a spoken word will awaken a lost person to their condition. Many times I've asked people a simple question. If you died today, would you go to heaven? And I have seen tears well up in their eyes because they do not know. Maybe no one's ever told them. The Bible clearly says this is the record that God has given to us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that has the Son has life, And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things are written so that you may know that you have eternal life. 1 John 5, I'm quoting there. You can know it for sure. In Ephesians 5.14, Paul woke, Awake you who sleep and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Spiritually dead people. Arise from the dead when they believe in Jesus Christ and are born again. They have a new birth, a new birthday. They're born again, spiritually speaking. So you are the reflective light that God uses, and the Holy Spirit will use you to illuminate the vision of the lost man. Listen, this is how Paul put it in Ephesians 5.8. For you were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. This means that you are a reflective light from the righteousness of Jesus Christ. This is not an inherent light from your own good deeds. This is not you trying to demonstrate to the world what a perfect person you are because you've never missed a day of Sunday school and You tithe 10% of your income and you don't drink and you don't dance and you don't smoke. That doesn't mean anything. Maybe those are things Christians do, but that doesn't impress the lost man. What the man without Christ needs is the gospel. He needs to know that Jesus Christ loves him. He needs to know that Jesus Christ died for him, that he paid the penalty for his sin, and that it's a free gift from God. Not something you have to earn by giving up anything. You know, that's what religion is. Religion is an artificial light. Self-righteousness from good works is the arrogance that turns a lot of people away from Christ and away from the church. Artificial light. Way back in 1993, the Russians attempted an experiment. What they wanted to do was reflect light from the sun to the dark side of the earth by means of a 
giant mirror in space. They put that mirror up there, 25 yards across, a giant space mirror, and it reflected light to Europe two miles wide on the ground. It was written about in the Los Angeles Times, and the Russians claimed that it was a big success before eventually cutting it loose and allowing it to drift off into space. It was called the Zanamya Project. It was actually a series of experimental orbital mirrors designed to beam solar power to Earth by reflecting the sun. But it was abandoned by the Russian space agency after several more failed efforts. In comparison, our Lord is the light source and we reflect his glory to the dark side of the devil's world. We reflect his glory by means of the truth that we possess. In Matthew five thirteen through 16, our Lord uses a similitude to compare the believer and the light. Listen to what he says. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but they put it on a lampstand, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. So let your light shine. And that, by the way, in the Greek New Testament, is an aorist active imperative in the morphology of that verb. This is not a request. It's a mandate from the commander-in-chief. Let your light shine. I'm ordering you. That's what he's doing. Let your light shine. Why? Here's the purpose clause. So that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You see, the truth that's in our soul is the battery that produces that light. Paul made it clear when he said, Do all things without complaining, without disputing, so that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the middle of a crooked and a perverse generation. Now listen, here it is. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Even your attitude can enlighten the lost man. And the truth will set him free. You know, you can extinguish your light by being out of fellowship. I told you that earlier. When you walk in darkness with sin in your life, the light is dim. First John 1 6 says, if we say we have fellowship with God and we walk in darkness, we're lying. We're not practicing the truth. Isn't that interesting? So let's see. Here you are this morning and you're a Christian. And you're walking in the light, but there's unconfessed sin in your life, and you know it. No, the light's out. It's dim. You're in darkness. You're not lost. You're not going to hell. You're in temporal darkness. You have scotia, the blackout. And until you rebound and recover the momentum in your spiritual life, that light's not going to be shining. You know, in John twelve forty six. Jesus said, I have come as light into the world so that whoever believes in me would not have to abide in that darkness. That's the wonderful thing about light. It identifies danger. It lets us see where the danger is. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light. 
to my path. The light keeps us from stumbling in the darkness. And the light comforts us. I know some people that cannot even sleep unless they have a light on in the room. In Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Light is Jesus Christ. Light is the truth that he gives to us. And the truth that we share with the world is the light we bring into the darkness. You know, the Bible even tells us that we're to wear the armor of light. In Romans thirteen twelve, Paul wrote, The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now, that may confuse you a little bit, and you may say, well, what exactly is the armor of light? But Paul explains this metaphor just two verses later when he says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Putting on the armor of light is nothing more than putting on Christ. But the question is, what does it mean to put on Christ? What are those mechanics? And that's simply problem-solving device number 10, which is occupation with Christ. If you've heard this radio show, you've heard me teach occupation with Christ. Occupation with Christ. How do you live for Jesus Christ? Well, every church-age believer, you and me, we have a destiny both in time and in eternity. We have an appointed course that God has given to us. And the minute that we believe in Christ, our voyage begins. And it will carry us through our time on earth into eternity. It's interesting how Paul said this. I know whom I have believed in, and I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. Yes, the Bible says no one can take you out of the Father's hand. So you have a journey. You have a voyage. And that voyage is to grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to let your light shine, to penetrate into the darkness of the world so that they may see Christ. This means that you're an ambassador for God. The Bible says that. You are an ambassador. Ephesians 6.20 talks about Paul being an ambassador in bonds. We are all an ambassador representing Christ. In Second Corinthians 5.20, we're ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. Maybe that's something new for you. Some churches have a program called the Royal Ambassadors. You are ambassador. You represent Jesus Christ. You have the light, and you are to shine the light into the darkness. And not only are you an ambassador, but you also are a priest, a believer priest. Revelation 1.6 says he's made unto us a kingdom of priests. Jesus Christ, our Lord, is the high priest, and he offered himself an atonement for our sin. There's so much more to cover here. I hope you're picking up on this, and I hope this week you'll let your light shine into the lost and into the dying world. Until next week. This is your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for being with me on the Flotline. 
Thank you for listening to The Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054. Or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.